สวัสดีค่ะดิฉันชื่อแอนนะคะ That's Thai I'm assuming It's German <laughs> It's a great segue to get started Yeah I feel like um, I'm doing the intro now Hi Highland This is David Sessions I'm here as always with Matt Pinson and our special guest today is Anne Reese Say hello Anne Good morning David and Matt and all of the Highland listeners. That was excellent. That I've was always excellent wanted intro. to do this. Yeah. So. It was almost a good morning Vietnam. <laughs> it, was, it, was it started a sing song and then it kind of trailed yep. out of the sing song. And I was like, wait, is it afternoon? Maybe it's not. When are they listening to it? We I don't know, know how to respond. I'll just go with good morning. <laughs> it's morning now while we're recording. You, yep. you nailed it. Uh, it's only down from here. Yep. And we... Uh, we normally invite people to come talk on the podcast about a specific thing, but we kind of asked you to come on to just talk about uh, multiple things. We're kind of in this series of deconstruction, and uh, we know that you have a fascinating, personal, inspiring deconstruction story. Uh, you're also a um, spiritual guide, mm-hmm. spiritual, spiritual, director. spiritual director, and uh, we also know one of our areas we want to start talking about with Highland is kind of listening to the ways and examining the ways that Highland prays and spiritual direction and prayer kind of go hand in hand. So mm-hmm. welcome. Thank you so much. This I've always wanted to be on a podcast. <laughs> well, you're starting at the top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, the best one. So <clears throat> hopefully, the, hopefully your podcast uh, invites just go up from here. Yes. I mean, that's what I'm counting on. <laughs> All the biggest podcasts listen to this podcast. That's right. why I'm here. To right. find their guests. Right. So, Anne, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, and for those who don't know your story, kind of, who's, mm-hmm. who's Anne? What's the Anne Reese mm-hmm. story? Mm-hmm. Well, I am going to start back at the time I was born. Okay. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, I am going to start with that because it is a big part of who I am. So, you boys just... <laughs> Just interrupt me because Anne Reese has a lot of words. I'm ready but for him. My prayer before I came in today was that because I don't know who else listening, is that it the things that I share will be what people need to hear and not just what I need to be saying. So I want to couch that in that um, framework, and that is my hope for today. With probably some bird walking and some little side stories of just, have you heard bird walking? Bird walking. You look surpri- bird walking like you bird. Bird walking. Like chasing a rabbit. Chasing a okay, rabbit. Okay, I've heard that. So just interrupt me. We just but did a bird walk about bird walking. We will go back. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Um, so let's go back to 1978. <laughs> Stick with me. Um, I am a twin. I have a twin named Amy. However, when we were born, we were named Tiffany Lynn and Lisa Marie. Yes, my friends, you could call me Tiffy Lynn today if I had grown up in Detroit, Michigan with my birth mother. Is... So I know Lisa Marie is uh, a former wife of Elvis Presley. Is Tiffany Lynn a famous Mm, spouse? I mean, I don't think so. Okay. It's a great name. Yeah. a name that I am glad that I don't have because I'm such an Anne. <laughs> you are an Anne. Is so, Tiffany Lynn two words of a first name or is there a middle name? I like, let's see. 
I'm going to go with, uh, what if it was one name? Tiffany Lynn. Tiffany That'd be Lynn. Really long. Yeah. I just like Tiffy. That's what I'd like to be thinking, that people would just have called me Tiffy. <laughs> Tiffy from Detroit. <laughs> but I'm not. I, so when my sister and I, I have, I can make these jokes because I have a great relationship with my birth mother. Her name is Nancy, and she is a wonderful woman. Um, we just got to know her, actually, uh, or reconnect with her about um, maybe tw- 20 years ago. And, um, but when she was pregnant with us, she was a single mother. She was from a very hard family situation and she didn't want her child, at that time she didn't know she was having twins, um, to grow up in the same household that she had grown up in. And so she made the very caring decision to give us away in adoption in hopes of finding a good family. And so uh, her parents, her dad and stepmom, went and placed us with a home of, um, I think they were lawyers or doctors. And then they gave us back three weeks later. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Friends, listeners, I have something is called dark humor. So like if you can't, I've got to be able to laugh. Yeah. So they did. They gave us back like puppies. Goodness gracious. <laughs> you might have to cut that out. I know. It's I just mm-hmm. uh, yeah. We're laughing because you're laughing. Because I'm laughing and I give everyone permission to okay. also laugh. Okay. It's a coping skill. And it's great because this thread of faithfulness of God okay. also plays into this. In that, because of that, um, we were with our, let's see, her stepmom's preacher, who happened to be good friends with my parents, who were living in Texas. This was in Florida now, Mm -hmm. so we've gotten from Detroit to Florida. And they called my parents and said, I want you to, you have 24 hours to decide, but we have these precious twin girls one is so much cuter than the other one she has brown hair (laughs) that was for my sister it was a buy one get one free these are always the jokes we make it's it it's you're you're, it's okay to laugh it feels really guilty laughing i'm just telling you it's okay should it does this making people feel uncomfortable i love it i think you're making us feel comfortable it's all With part jokes, of it, guys. Yeah. It's but all part of it. There's also part of me that's like, I make Boy, these I'm jokes laughing. to my sister okay. and to my parents. My mom does not like these jokes. What happens after 24 hours? Well, so my parents, what you need to know about Art and Judy Lynch is they are two of the most loving, amazing, and faithful people um, that have shaped me that I'm eternally grateful for. Mm. And my dad had been married. His first wife passed away from a brain tumor. He had three children who were then um, preteens and early teenagers. Um, and my mom had been, or he had been married 16 years. My mom, Judy, had been married for two years. And her husband passed away from leukemia after no. they'd been married two years. And so once they they ended up both moving to Lubbock, um, and everybody, of course, was like, you two need to get to know each other. And they did, and they got married very quickly. And um, so they had not 
had their own children yet, mm-hmm. so they were raising my dad's kids. And um, so enter the 24-hour, like you have 24 hours to decide. They, they say they stayed up all night praying and thinking about how could we do this, how can we not do this, um, and decided to um, bring us home. And they flew to Florida like that weekend wow. and mm-hmm. brought us home. And we were five weeks old. And I think at that point, they had named us Mary Ann and Rachel Amy, but then quickly changed it to Anne Marie, which is my current name, Okay. and Amy Rachel. How many names? What did the lawyers name you us, ha- guys? You've had six names. I, yeah, yeah I, that's I true. Mean, maybe more. Maybe more. So right now, I am Anne Marie. You're Anne Marie <laughs> Lynch. Please. Lynch Reese. Wow. Even more names. Yes. Lots of names. <laughs> so we lived in Texas until we were four. And then my parents had always wanted to be missionaries. And so when we were four, we moved to Bangkok, Thailand. If you put one finger on the globe in like Odessa, Texas, or we were in Sudan, Texas at that time, and directly halfway across Bangkok, Thailand. We wow. was halfway around the world, and um, that's where I grew up okay. for the next nine years. Wow! So, what are some of the things that you kind of remember shaping you guys in, in Thailand? I mean, I'm, that's probably where you're having some of your first memories and yeah. childhood. So, what what was that like? And I mean, are you mm-hmm. becoming aware of being uh, a child of adopted parents? I mean, what? Yeah. What's going on there? So I would think, I mean, the greatest thing was having my twin sister. So Amy and I are still very close. Um, so, I mean, when I think of growing up in Bangkok, it was a very idyllic childhood. We literally watched the Andy Griffith show every night at six o'clock with my <laughs> family. And in Thailand, everyone has house um, keepers, and so she would cut up fresh fruit and come bring it to us. Wow. And we had dinner together every night at 5.30. Mm-hmm. Then we had our Andy Griffith at 6. Yeah. And then we we um, lived on a small, like, little tiny dead-end street, and so we played with the little girls across the street. That's how we learned Thai. My dad will say, I mean, it went from not knowing anything to one day they're like who's talking out there and amy and i were speaking thai wow and we learned it from our good friend that we just just across the street just from playing um and i mean bangkok at that time i don't know how many million people nine million twelve million people Hmm. um we lived right in the middle and on saturdays my mom started taking us to the um government government orphanages there for abandoned babies and so we would just go and hold the babies and Mm. so um i remember just sitting and they would give you a little bowl of this like um rice concoction (laughs) it's like a a soup and at one spoon and they would put six or eight little kids around you and you would just spoon feed everybody and we got to where we that's what we looked forward to doing and Mm -hmm. so it really started convicting my mom that there was a need to love on children. And so she and my dad, along with some um, doctors who lived there, um, 
they were Thai, but they'd also lived in Germany for a long time. They started a family home. Mom said, I want it to be a home where these kids can come home to, whether or not it wasn't a home to be adopted out of. It was just a home. And um, wonderful people from church work there. And um, so it's called Victory Tree Family Home. And so I remember that was a big part of our time in Thailand. Mm. Um, And when we left, Amy and I were 13. And so that is a very special time to move your family back (laughs) to Odessa, Texas. (laughs) That is... But luckily, you've been doing like research by watching the Andy Griffith show, right? So I knew, I'm like, where's Barney Five, guys? I know this thing. But uh, I remember writing in my 13-year-old journal, like, I would never do this to my family. That's called foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do this. This is horrible. So. Um, then I did that to my family. Yeah. <laughs> when Bryn was five. When Bryn was five. <laughs> so, yeah. So you uh, came back. We're going to skip some history yeah. here. But you met a young man named Darren Reese Darren on an uh, internship, if I'm right. Well, we both ended up at ACU. Side note, I had met Darren in ninth grade. Oh. He was much shorter he is now. <laughs> and I remember thinking it was really cute because we had a very brief stint living in Abilene when I was in ninth grade okay. at dear old Abilene High School. And I remember that Darren Reese. And then I saw him again in college. I was like, whoa, he's gotten taller. Glam up. And, yeah. <laughs> glow up. Is hey, it glow man. up? Yeah, it's glam. called a glow up. Glow up. up. Okay. David. Sorry. Yeah. We had a real Princess Diaries moment yeah. here. <laughs> so... Um, I, we were both asked to go to Thailand on a summer internship and he had never been out of the country and he, his parents were going through a pretty hard divorce at that time. And, um, full disclosure, he was like, what if, you know, the other side of the world sounds amazing. (laughs) So I say that to many of us of my thoughts right now, this segues into other things of just sometimes your motivation for doing something might not look like honorable or Mm. like, Oh, that's not the right motivation. But, and God uses that Hmm. in ways that we, we don't know. Yeah. And God is faithful in those situations. So Darren and I went and we became really good friends. We're best friends. And I was in love with him for two years. <laughs> no, I'm not in love with you. I'm, re- I'm your best friend. We're best friends. <laughs> best friends always go eat dinner together. <laughs> um, anyway, we became best friends with me being in love with him for two years. Um, I eventually just, you know, in one of our best friends' hangouts, just kissed him. <laughs> and that is my legacy that I leave through my daughters. So yeah. like, sometimes, girls, you have to take matters into your own hands. <laughs> sure. So then Darren and I got married in the year 2000. And so we have been married for 22 years. And as Darren's dad always says, because they were married for like 70 years, his granddad. 
would say, the first 68 years are the hardest. <laughs> the first 71 years are the hardest. I'm like, the first 22 years are the hardest. <laughs> no, they're wonderful. Is that Leon? Yep. Oh, Leon Reese. Oh, Leon. Uh, anyway, where were we? You guys got married. We got married. And uh, Darren, living in Abilene? Yep, we were living in Abilene. I was teaching at Lincoln Middle School. And Darren was getting his master's of divinity. And we, I had always felt called to go back to Thailand. And those summer internships, we ended up going twice in, at ACU. And it was so... It felt so right. Like, mm-hmm. this is what God has been calling me to do since I was four years old. And uh, so we thought, well, we need to be able to go and be there longer than just 10 weeks in a summer, mm. if that's what we really want to do. And so we moved there for two years and participated in an internship, an apprenticeship. We were then apprentices in Chiang Mai, Thailand, with a wonderful team of missionaries who loved on us and trained us and helped us grow up and uh, met amazing people who would eventually be our teammates um, to return to Thailand. So in 2003, we came back, and Darren finished his master's, and I went back to teaching. Um, No, that's a lie. I did not go back to teaching. I had two children forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> wait i don't do hold math. on hold on you wait. you came back, came with back in children? 2003 no no okay. okay 2003 we came back i did teach yeah because bryn's not 19 bryn, yeah. <laughs> bryn is yeah she's 16 <laughs> yeah then we had bryn um and darren was finished i actually he like graduated three days after we had bryn Aww. i didn't make it to the graduation because i was <laughs> recovering um and then a year later we had meg and during that time we decided to start forming a team so we participated with halbert institute for missions and they had a team training program at that time and our good friends the fikes chris and tanya fikes and then ryan and ning binkley who are still in thailand highland is supporting them and Haley edmiston um we formed a team and went through extensive training and then moved to Thailand in 2009. Okay. So we had six years of in-between time. And Bren and Meg were three years old and one years old. Okay. One year old. And there we were. We were prepared. We were ready. <laughs> we <laughs> were golden poster children for success in our minds. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you'd done a lot of preparation. We had done a lot of preparation. And, and then everything went exactly about, as planned. Yeah. And guys, then we just planted a church and like thousands of people came. In fact, the whole Buddhist country of Thailand is now Christian. Wow. Right? No, 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 dear, dear, dear listeners. <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen. Um, and I remember somebody asking me, Anne, are you sad to be leaving Abilene and leaving home? And I was like, no, 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 no. This is what I was born. I mean, I didn't say it in this cocky of a tone, but that's what I heard in my head. It was like, no, this is what we've been planning on doing. This is what I've been called to do. This is where we've been headed yeah. for a very long time, since birth, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got there to Payao, Thailand in 2009. Matt's been there. He came to visit us. 
Lovely place. Yes, it was a lovely place. And I would say that's where everything fell apart. Everything became clearer. That's where, if we want to use the word dis- deconstruction, we can. I I choose the word disorientation. Okay. Uh, I went into it feeling pr- as... I'm a two on the Enneagram. I am a helper. I can help everyone. I'm also a very, had always been a very competent person. So like Anne Reese, Anne, Anne can get it done. Yeah. Anne likes, you know, people. Anne can, um, Anne grew up on the mission field. So I had this narrative of myself. And so we immediately put Bren in Thai school. She was the only little foreigner in there with with her our teammates too. So I guess there were a few, two or three of them. Um, they learned to speak Thai. Um, we started. We spent the first year doing research, and we were prepared. Mm-hmm. We were going to study the context. We'd never lived in a small <sighs> town like that. And so things that I know about myself now that I didn't know then. <laughs> One, I'm not a self-starter. I enjoy, that's why I think I enjoy teaching right now, is it's a part of something bigger. Mm. I'm not starting something, but I'm participating in a bigger system. <coughs> um, in Thailand, we were starting a church. Yeah. We ended up starting a restaurant. I started like half homeschooling, half sending our daughter to Thai school. Um, I was very isolated for the first time ever in my life. Um, And all of those things, it took me a few years to realize the toll that that was taking because I was in denial of a lot of that. And also, I think growing up in a culture like Thailand where confrontation and um, any kind of negative feeling is Mm -hmm. avoidant. It's a conflict avoidant place. That's how I had just uh, learned how to deal with conflict. So when I was angry or when I was sad, I didn't, I just, nope, nope, everything's great. Mm -hmm. And um, so. So like what was the first um, kind of uh, brick in the wall to fall? um, We had been there four years at that point. And Dax, our son, was born. And so he was about a year old. And it was coming up to where we needed to decide, are we, Highland was saying, are you going to stay your next five years? We had a five-year commitment. And in my mind, the dream was we move to Thailand. We do a lot of great things. We live there for, you know, 12, 20 years, we moved back to Texas. I live next door to my twin sister, and <laughs> all is well. Yeah. And here we are at four years, and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And the decision of are we staying or going was weighing on us. Our team we were doing everything together. So the community was very small. Also, it was the most powerful time of community that I've ever experienced with people that I trust 
my life with. Yeah. And um, but I had never had that kind of deep community where you are facing conflict together. You are you're, you're each other's babysitters. You are <laughs> like you're at church together. You're 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 everything. There wasn't starting a, a lot together. of yeah starting yeah. a business together and um it was the best of times and the worst of times Mm. you get to know people really well and by god's grace i think we were protected and led and our relationships are precious to this day yeah um so the brick i remember we were driving in Chiang Mai, we'd gotten out of town for a little bit, and I don't remember what the trigger was, but I just start bawling. Yeah. I'm like, Darren, I don't, I don't think I'm okay. Like, I think I don't know if I need to go to a hospital or what, but something's not. I don't know what's wrong. Like, yeah. I just, I can't. I was so everything felt so heavy. Everything was negative. And so I, Chiang Mai has the highest percentage of missionaries per capita than anywhere in the world. Okay. Because most people go to different countries surrounding Thailand and in Thailand. Um, so there's this amazing missionary care facility called Cornerstone Counseling. So I made an appointment and <laughs> I went and pretty quickly they're like, you are depressed. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I What? I no, don't do that. I'm not depressed. <laughs> My I'm Anne Reese. I I feel great. I am homeschooling. I am like functioning. And she was like, uh, "Okay, well, do you? What are some things you look forward to?" I'm like, "Nothing." <laughs> like when you wake up in the morning, like what? How, how's your energy? I'm like zero. Like, do you see things like, are there people that you like care about and really enjoy taking care? I'm like, nope. They're like, okay, so (laughs) let's do some education on what depression and major depressive disorder looks like. And I, in my mind, had thought like, if I can't get out of bed or I'm just not able to function, that's what depression looks like. Mm -hmm. And it can. Yeah. It can also be just interfering with your daily activities and you're still doing them yeah but it's affecting and interfering with how you're doing them yeah and so i started my counseling um with her we would drive every every i would drive every week or so and um it's two hours away and she god used her to really Mm -hmm save parts of me um that i didn't even know and um it took a while to get there because i had now i look at it as pride um of in or my false self um that needed to prove to god and everybody that i could handle things and when i started not being able to handle things that was a disappointment to me and probably to God. And I remember driving by and seeing this man out in his rice field. I'm like, but he can't go to counseling. Why am I so lucky to be able to drive to counseling and go do this? And this seems so selfish. And um, sweet Darren is like, why don't we just get to the counseling today? And 
trust that God is taking care of that man mm-hmm. in the rice field as well. <laughs> Sweet Darren, Job himself. Um, but through that time, she was able to say, tell me about your childhood. Yeah. And I said, oh, it was amazing. She's like, okay, tell me just one negative thing. I'm like, nothing. There's nothing negative. Uh-huh. Loved it. Loved every minute. She's like, okay, tell me about, were you able to grieve leaving Thailand? I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is becoming uncomfortable. Uh, however, through that time, some of the powerful questions, she said, what would it look like? to express your anger. Mm. What would it look like for you to talk to your team about the things you're feeling? Mm. Have you ever told them that you're frustrated? Like, nope, nope. Because that would betray. That would, have you expressed grief over your adoption? Like, no, because somehow that would make me look or feel ungrateful. And so the beauty of that time was letting something be both. Hmm. which still shapes how I look at things now is I can grieve and it doesn't mean I'm not grateful. Right. And so to be able to say, yeah, that hurt Mm -hmm. to be able to, to not grow up with the person that birthed you. That's not how it's supposed to be. I'm also thankful that I didn't. Right. And I'm so thankful for my mom And when I think of that image, when my mom and Nancy met, they were walking toward each other, and the first things out of their mouth was, thank you so much. And so it's both. There's grief, and there's deep joy, and there's deep healing. Yeah. It's not mutually exclusive. And so... I was one time, that was my homework for the weekend. I was like, go, what would it, I hated when she would say this. Well, I wonder what it would look like <laughs> for you to talk to your team about your anger. Because I had built up a lot of frustration, especially with the business and all of that. And so I went home and I, I used to walk in my backyard a lot. And um, I remember sitting down and thinking, what would that look like? I, I can't talk to him about that. I can't do that because what if they think I'm bad or what if they see how angry I was? And I share this in a very vulnerable way because I'd never had an experience like this, but I remember feeling this huge weight, this like, I picture it's like a black pointy rock Hmm. just in my chest. And um, the closest thing I can think of is just the verse of like the groaning of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm in my backyard, I'm in Thailand, and this rock is just coming out mm. of me. And feeling like, I do, I, I need to confess that. And in my mind, I was pretty perfect, so I had never had to confess yeah. that I'd done anything hurtful or wrong. So we ended up calling our teammates i went to their house and i sat there with them and looked them each in the eye and said i have been so angry at you Mm. and i've been angry at you and they in their grace just said and we know (laughs) (laughs) you are actually the last one to know we've known 
and we love you. Oh. And we're sad that you didn't feel like you could tell us before. And we forgive you. Oh. And God it them. was the most um, see-through that I've ever been. I couldn't remember a time where I felt like maybe God could look through me mm. and there was nothing to hide and there was nothing to be ashamed of anymore. And so from adoption to why I was going to pride to anger to, um, cause depression is that repressed, repressed anger, mm. repressed grief often lead, leads to depression. And so, um, to experience that now friends, there was a deep vulnerability. Um, uh, what did they call it? Like hangover. Hangover. Yeah. Where on the drive home, it's like, oh my goodness. What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> um, and there were, I still have them in my phone, these reminders of conversations or texts that people, those teammates sent me over the next few days to just remind me, oh, we man. know you feel vulnerable. We know that was hard for you and we love you mm. and we love you even more now. Mm. And, um, so after that, I felt this huge, uh, freedom. So the next step came where still in my backyard, I look at that place as a very sacred place now yeah. is, I mean, it really, I like wore a dog trail like around the side. <laughs> Full disclosure, I was too scared to walk down our street because there were stray dogs. Yeah. And also, I was having some anxiety, so I'm like, you know what? I'm just walking in circles, guys. I'm walking in circles. Yeah. If I remember, if it's the same place I went, it's not a huge backyard. It's not a huge backyard, man. <laughs> not a huge one. Um, and there was definitely a like a trail of me walking. Safe place. Safe place. So I was. Also, and I was thinking, walking, we're trying to talk about what are we going to say? What's our commitment? Can we leave? What does God think about us leaving? What will the church think about us leaving? Mm -hmm. At this point, we had one member. We actually had two, but one of them died. <laughs> that you can laugh church. a little bit. Nope, not going to laugh a little terrible. bit. You're laughing. I'm, I'm not laughing, laughing because it was terrible. Um, there was also a really special time that Darren baptized a guy who was a missionary from Ghana. And he <laughs> we're like, so let me get this straight. Of the people you baptized, one was already a Christian <laughs> and was from Ghana, also serving the Lord. You can laugh, friends, because this is the reality, is that um, we had precious people and relationships and what I learned was you can't make people believe in God. Mm. And you can't, it's not a formula. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's an invitation that you can give to people um, and let the mystery of God carry it through. Yeah. And I was on a pretty tight schedule because I needed to live next door to my sister. Yeah. And this was pushing it back. And that tied into my anger as well. Yeah. Of I've given up all of this, Lord. The least you could do is bring some people yeah. to Jesus. And so my... For you. For me. <laughs> no, for you. For you, I mean, God. <laughs> I'm, full disclosure, I, I look back and I cringe. But I was like, Lord, oh. Lord, I, I will give up chocolate until... 
we bring someone to Christ. Yes, yes, friends, yeah. for one year. Wow. I did not touch chocolate, which those of you who know me, that's that was hard. And now I look at that and I think, ooh, that seems really... It was a fasting. And, again, it goes back to my, my motivation might not have been the purest. I still yeah. grew and learned from that time. Right. So there's grace in that. Um, and I cringe with that. It's both. Yeah, but, like, I mean, I don't know. If you're, if you're one of your kids did something like that, you know, if, you, if we can make God the eternal parent, yeah, you would maybe laugh about it behind yeah, their but, backs. But yeah. like, there's a part of it that you'd it be so, so proud earnest. of them about. It's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. So I had a big pan of brownies when our friend uh, <laughs> was baptized. I'm like, yes, <laughs> we're doing chocolate. And she <laughs> is so amazing. Happy. I'm so happy I for your baptism. I hope we'll get to meet her someday because she's amazing. Um, so we're back in the backyard and I'm sitting there, and I thought, said, what would I t- tell people um, when they say, well, what do you have to show for it? Mm. What did you accomplish? Um, and I remember thinking, like, uh, not much mm. as far as what the world would want. Yeah. We don't have a thriving church. We have an amazing, close Christian community. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have, I have, I'm like completely depressed and on the healing, healing side of that, but I wasn't, Just there was nothing right to away. show. Yeah. And I remember thinking, what would God say if I leave Thailand? Mm. Like I, this has been mine. This has been where he's called me. And I remember, similar to the Black Rock experience, is this experience of God saying to me, do you trust me with Thailand? Mm. And I can't talk about it without crying because Thailand had been mine. Yeah. And, um, or I thought it was. And for me to literally hand Thailand over and... It took me a while to answer that. Mm. Do I trust God with my Thailand? Mm. The people who raised me and um, shaped me in a country that is so a part of my being. And what if it doesn't include me Mm. being there? And to be reminded of the bigger story of God, that God has always been there. and for me at that moment to to be able to acknowledge that and believe it. Yeah. And that was a time of releasing Thailand and to hear, is God still going to love me if I'm not a missionary? Is God still going to love me if I don't seem successful? Mm. And so that crumbling of my false self of... Um, I like to view it now as the scaffolding that got me to where I am. Yeah. And the falling of that scaffolding, while painful, was so deeply changing to me. It was yeah. it was necessary. It's developmentally appropriate. Yeah. It was 
hard and it was good. And we went through this debriefing retreat right before we left. And the lady led us. She said, okay, I want you to write down all of the things you lost over the last time, your time in Thailand. And so I did, I wrote anger, you know, being a bad mom, um, being, not being present, being, um, negative, um, God, my view of who God Mm. and my hope and, um, dreams. And she let us sit with that for a while. And then the next session she said, okay, now on this side, I want you to write the things that you gained. Mm. And I was writing being a better mom, Mm. love, God, Mm-hmm. The truer sense of realizing that the God that I thought. So I have this funny image of like in high school, whenever we would be out late, my dad, we needed us to be home at 10 o'clock. So if we would pull up in the car with our friends or with a boyfriend, all of a sudden at 10, you'd see the lights start flipping. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't come out, but yeah. man, he'd flip those lights. And when I was in my um, dark time, um, I remember feeling like I bet God's up there just flipping the lights mm. like, come on, get it together. And I think that through counseling was able to say, is that voice the voice of God? Yeah. Or is that something that I have put on to God? And for that to be admitted and stripped away was very painful and yet so freeing because I thought that's right. Yeah. And I heard um, there was a time in counseling where I said, um, she said, okay, so when you think about my yoke is easy and my burden is light, mm-hmm. how true is that to you? And I said, it's not. Mm. This is the heaviest thing I've ever carried. And she said, well, I just wonder if that is from God then. Do you believe God? I said, I do. I yeah. do. I want to. Yeah. She said, well, then let's test that. And I love that verse because the next part, we hear that part so often. I heard in the podcast earlier that y'all have done. um, The next lines on there, do you know them? Why don't you go ahead and say, you tell me what you, well, you tell me what you think they say. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Come and let me teach you. It says, come and learn from me for I am gentle. Mm Mm-hmm. And you will find rest for your soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard those little words in the middle, come and learn yeah. from me. Because I had thought I knew everything. Yeah. There is nothing to learn because I've been raised to do this. I've been called to do this. Then you go do it. Yeah. And I think the early 30s are, unless you've gone through a pretty... Um, drastic loss like um in your life prior to that early 30s is a time that this starts to kind of fall apart Mm. is you worked for all these things and then you get there and you're like whoa whoa this is not well what's cracked up to be Mm -hmm. now what do i do and does god owe me that and why what why isn't he honoring everything that i've done um so being able to come back from the states come back from thailand to the states with nothing um was the worst and 
where some growth could start to yeah. happen as new a newer sense of who I was, who God was, the mystery of God that Susetta yeah. has talked about yeah. since I was um, a new mother um, became to take on or came to take on new life. Yeah. So the word that just keeps bouncing around in my head as I'm hearing your story is that God became generous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like um, some some when we think about. Uh, it's kind of, I had to put a term on, but we think about the term legalism. A, a certain type of person comes into our head and they're, they're not kind. They don't have a lot of friends. They're Bible thumpers. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we would have said. Ann Lynch or Ann Reese mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, we wouldn't have said you're a legalistic person, but your legalism all applied to yourself. Right. And God couldn't be generous for you. No. And that was true because even through the counseling and talking about it, I could give a lot of grace for the people of thailand right but when it was offered to me Mm -hmm. that was not part of the plan yeah because i know better yeah i should know better yeah and so i think that experience of being able to accept it was really generous of god i um this is probably irreverent and inappropriate but there's a episode of seinfeld um where uh, George, something bad's happening to George. And he's like, why does God keep doing this to me? And Elaine's like, George, you don't believe in God. And he says, I do for the bad stuff. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> he's like, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, it was kind of the opposite of you, right? Yeah. Like you believe in God for everybody else. Yeah. You believe in grace for everybody else. Right. And I used to, you know, now as a spiritual director, one of the things that we talk about is pay attention to what you're resistant to. Mm-hmm. And if I think about that at that time, I was resistant to grace and attention for myself. Okay. Because somehow that was inherently selfish. Yeah. Now, through that time... The guy in the rice paddy. Right. Yeah. Through that time, I realized if I cannot accept that and and sit with just that for yeah. myself, I don't have anything to offer. And this is coming yeah. from me as a missionary. Like, who wants to be part of this vacuous faith that I have? Because <laughs> why is it? Look at me. Look at my face. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. everybody could see it. Yeah. So were you giving real grace to people? And can you give better grace now that you can accept it for yes, yourself? Yes. Yes. It is, t- it is night and day different. Mm. Because now there's grace without expectation. Oh. Like, I... There, it was like, I love you. Yeah. Why aren't, I mean, where were you on Sunday? Yeah. You know, I, I, or I invited everybody for like the play date and nobody's coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was very hard to separate. You're not playing into my timeline. Yeah. This is, am I doing something wrong? Yeah. Let me do more. Let me pour out more of this because yeah. surely... I mean, Anne can win just about anybody over. Yeah. And when all the skills that I'd always had weren't working, that's an uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. It was necessary. Yeah. I'm glad that I learned that because right. it took a lot of my own, like the old pride comes before fall situation really became clear um, and valuable. Yeah. And gracious to me. So my anger gets directed outwards because people aren't mm-hmm. responding to my awesome mm-hmm. Christ-like mm-hmm. love and right. graciousness. Look at this. But really it's, it's about I'm not being effective right. and I'm, I'm angry at myself, disappointed in myself. Right. Yeah. You know. 
Um, so, I mean, a lot of what your story reminds me of is just kind of this I, basic Christian idea of picking up my cross and mm -hmm. following me and, in, in, you know, following Jesus is an invitation to come and die. Mm -hmm. How have you experienced kind of in this, after this big death mm -hmm. and rebirth that you experienced, is it easier to experience little deaths? Yes. So this is where my passion and hope and joy uh, lives right now mm. is we came back to Abilene and for two or three years, there was some good recovery time. And that's when I started realizing how powerful the last few years had been and how much I wanted to be a part of walking with other people. So spiritual direction has been around for a very long time, yeah. but not necessarily, well, not in our church heritage. Yeah. And so um, most people, when I say I'm a spiritual director, don't know what that means. Right. So for if you don't know... Um, it is a spiritual companion. It is a trained individual who will sit with you with these deeper questions of faith. And so it's kind of like a counseling setting if you've been to counseling. However, it's focused on questions of faith mm -hmm. and providing that sacred space to work through and um, sit with um, I've heard people say it's like a spiritual workout. Like you are working those muscles. You're mm. trying to figure some things out. And so I went to SMU and um, did a three-year training period training program um, through SMU. And so I have a certificate in spiritual direction. And so I've been serving here at Highland for the last few years. Um, and... It has been the greatest blessing. So now when I think about um, how that time shapes, is there is such words or scriptures like love your neighbor as yourself mm -hmm. and love the Lord your God with all your heart mm -hmm. is I had always left out the love yourself part. And mm. so being able to love your neighbor as yourself, what does that actually practically and realistically look like? Mm -hmm. Do you love yourself? Mm. Well, if not, then let's work on that. There's grace in that. Let's, how does that shape loving your neighbor? How it's all couched in how you love and experience God. Um, That's so fascinating. I mean, I always think about, you know, Jesus saying that as like almost like a, a, an entry level part mm -hmm. of Christianity. But the question was asked by an expert in the law. Mm -hmm. And so maybe this is an instruction to like um, mature Christians, mature, mm -hmm. well, wouldn't have been Christians at the time because mm -hmm. Jesus is still yeah, alive, yeah, but yeah. to to mature, mature God-fearers yeah. who maybe Jesus is assuming have already discovered God loves them. Right. Because that is pretty, yeah. pretty so basic. One of the and little yeah. analogies that I look like or that I think about is when I moved back from the states, I hated the Home Depot commercial because it would say more saving, more doing. I'm like, that is what people think discipleship is: mm. more saving, more doing, do more. I'm like, oh, I would just be so angry. <laughs> Darren would have to change the channel. He's like, what is happening? I'm like, uh, I hate this. This is what people think discipleship is, and then when they don't get to do it or they don't think they're doing it well enough, yeah. then they just feel like failures. When the invitation and the 
best line I got out of my training was, true discipleship is finding new ways to be fully alive mm. in Jesus Christ. Like that is an invitation. Yeah. And that's a Lowe's commercial. And that's a Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Haven't you seen that one? <laughs> it is the beginning it of is. the uh, of the meme, like Anne's angry at Home Depot, like, ma'am, this is right. Wendy's. <laughs> Maybe, right, right. That's not us. Like, that's, yeah. So I love that, though, and I come back to that, and that's the invitation I want to, yeah. to continue is true discipleship, finding new ways to be fully alive in Jesus Christ, who... That's an invitation that without expectation. That's great. That's it's it's an invitation to joy. It's an invitation yeah. to carrying a light burden, right? And and a love burden. And the message translate those those next um, lines is, "Come and learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace." Right. And that's just like for me, almost an image of like being lost in song, mm-hmm. of. Um, you know, a song of, of love over us and, and, mm-hmm. and a, a lightness. And mm-hmm. uh, I love that, though, that f- disco- discovering new ways of being fully alive in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It made me think, like, you know, a, a lot of my similar disorientation stuff came from feeling kind of abandoned mm-hmm. by God. And a lot of that is, like, mm-hmm. what I felt like I was owed in a life because I was a good person, a good person, and you did the right thing. Faithful Christian, and I was working at a church now, and you know, can't you see what's going on? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I hear Randy, Sir, Randy, Randy Harris did a sermon one time when we were at the hills. Uh, he came and guest preached, and he was talking about the prodigal son. And he was like, "Then you know, and that's that's a good story, and everybody knows the story, but that wasn't me." I was the older brother slaving mm-hmm. away all these mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And so I still hear his voice sometimes when I get, you know, mad that something's not going right or I mm-hmm. feel like I'm trying and you are not Mm-mm. pulling your weight. Mm-hmm. I hear Randy going slaving away all yeah, these all years. years. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it reminds me that, you know, everything he has is mine. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not a slave. I'm free. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes it in. Mm-hmm. Is that I hope that makes it in? Yes. It. Sorry, I opened the door really loud. It's, <laughs> it's a real. I mean, I still have those conversations. Yeah. And that's when I think it goes back to your motivation of okay, what it what is the real. What is it that I'm wanting? Mm-hmm. And I, I think with spiritual direction, that's one thing I ask, too. What mm. do you want? Mm. And often it's hard for people to say that because nobody asks you. Mm-hmm. And um, But and I think God selfish. wants to. It feels selfish. And until you can name some things, you can't really... You're going to keep going up against the same wall. Um, And so God is always moving. Hmm. So if you find yourself keep bashing up against this wall, go with where where is the movement of the Spirit? Look around and see. 
and I say that in the context of trusting the spirit for people who are have the spirit of God in them. Mm-hmm. We're not just like flowing down the river, you know, yeah. but we are looking and noticing movement. And I, you know, when Jordan was talking about the dam of, and then finally it all burst, um, one image that came to mind, I thought was, yes, I, in the last year, couple years have had this, this dam kind of vision too, to where my spiritual director was able to say, okay, so what can flow away and what are those necessary pieces that can stay mm-hmm. to let the water flow in that ecosystem? So it doesn't mean you can't have that there, but what is what are those vital pieces that can still foster that movement, um, but yet some of the things need to move away? Hmm. And what is prayer? Yeah, that's one of the things we're really interested mm-hmm. in. Uh, especially as I'm a person and there's lots of people I know who grew up with kind of one way to pray. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about before how that way of praying, if you're asking for something over and over again, mm-hmm. it's just not happening, starts to feel really empty and mm-hmm. lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some good ways for people to yeah, well, answer David's question. Mm-hmm. I like what you said, though. Mm-hmm. What is prayer? What's prayer? What is prayer? And I would say, what do you want prayer to be? Mm-hmm. I'm confused That's if you're actually rhetorical. asking. Okay. <laughs> you can think about that, dear listeners. <laughs> okay, what, has, what was prayer, and what is prayer yeah. now for Anne? I think of that question, and I smile because uh, it changes. And I think if you find yourself in a period where it's shifting, you are typically developing. Mm. And this is a normal developmental stage. And it's good. It's just like when you're watching a child that you know, what they pray and how they pray at the beginning is different. And when you pray when, when something good is happening is a different language than when you pray when something sad and tragic is happening. Yeah. There's different language. So the invitation is let it look different. Yeah. So one of the things that shifted that was one of the teachers in, one, in my class, he said prayer, and he's this old Jesuit um, priest and he said now I live in Minnesota and I live right by an airport and prayer is I pour my coffee and I sit by the window and I watch the planes take off and land take off and land I was like uh. and then <clears throat> do you have any Bible verses that go with I mean, you know, I was also the only Church of Christ person in that um, cohort. Uh, and that sounded so freeing. Hmm. Like, what if prayer is your posture of being present with God with no expectation? Hmm. What would that look like? Is that okay? Yeah. So prayer to me right now, when I think about it, is freedom. 
to be present with God. Yeah. It might be the liturgy that you have grown up with. It might be the way you learn to pray, but you're wondering what would it look like if I just sat there. I will be honest right now. Prayer for me um, looks like just being very quiet mm-hmm. in this stage. And um, scripture, to me, there's been two scriptures that have really um, been carrying me through. And I keep thinking, uh, <laughs> well, here's me. So I'm kind of resistant to the, like, God gave me a word for the year. I'm like, why am I resistant? I'm like, maybe it's because I've never had a word. What yeah. is my word? You know? But as I pay, question that and pay attention to it, I think, okay, this last two years, the verse in the word has been trust. Mm. And so every morning I have this this rock that I um, use as a grounding tool. And I say, and this is my prayer, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on my own understanding of hmm. COVID, of hmm. raising teenage girls, of myself, yeah. of depression. You, I fill in whatever it is that is on my heart, That's great. but in all my ways, acknowledge him, and he will show you where to go. Hmm. And I keep kind of waiting to think, is it okay to still camp out here? So there's those old habits die hard. But yeah. I think that has been formative and shaping for me over the last two years of that is my prayer, that I will trust the Lord yeah. in all these things. I really resonate with that because I'm. this isn't probably a perfect way to say it, but it's made sense to me. It's just the question of who is the object of prayer? Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, for me, the object of prayer was God. I pray to God. Mm-hmm. And then God listens or doesn't, acts or doesn't, mm-hmm. but I'm supposed to pray to God. Um, and the the ability f- to reverse that and to think, actually, what if I'm the object of prayer mm-hmm. and God's eternal words, like you just mentioned, are for me and to me and that I'm not shaping God, the object of my prayer, but God is shaping me, mm-hmm. the object of prayer, mm-hmm. and that it's just time with God, mm-hmm. and that whenever I enter into a time of prayer, God's always there, mm-hmm. and that um, I'm the one being changed and shaped mm-hmm. and affected, and mm-hmm. so it can become drinking coffee and watching planes take off mm-hmm. and land because it's just time with God. Mm-hmm. Um. But I love that. I love that idea of letting those things come to mind that I lack understanding on and then mm-hmm. kind of releasing those. That's mm-hmm. yeah, beautiful. That is beautiful. I think when I think about what you asked, what do you want prayer to be? I think as an adult, you, you come to a place where you learn, oh, life is hard. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I thought if I did the right things, things would be it easier. would be easy. But and you know, and inside I know I don't do all the right things, so I'm really uh, trying. I'm really trying. Mm. Um, but life is hard and I, I think what I wanted prayer to be before it kind of fell apart was life is hard and I wanted God to make it easier. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm 
starting to come around on is that life is hard and I want to feel like I'm not alone. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've, most of my prayers now are just kind of airing my grievances mm-hmm. and, and then uh, not saying anything. Mm-hmm. Trying to be quiet, mm-hmm. trying to empty my mind, and mm-hmm. um, and I found that is at least a lot less frustrating, right? Than praying, than right. than saying, "Here's what I'd like you to fix," mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, I like that idea. I like the way that you phrase that. It's really a good way to to mm-hmm. say it. Good practice. Mm-hmm. I think there's great freedom to pray how your soul is needing to pray is that airing grievances is that sitting quietly yeah um because until you can name the feeling yeah (laughs) say what's blocking it it's really hard to keep going forward Mm -hmm. or move and that's where you're and there's there's not a time frame and so when those voices that you hear are not of the spirit Mm -hmm. of love of joy of peace that's how you know is that me talking (laughs) are those voices of just the noise in our head or is that from god Mm. and so my encouragement to you is when you're praying is to discern that that voice mm-hmm. if it's not of love and of joy and of hope okay then that's that's not Jesus and it may not actually be what you need yeah yeah you might you're you're you might be confusing your needs i do think that uh part of my understanding of salvation now is not just heaven when we die but also god is going to be for us the provider of our needs and our daily bread. And um, I like like what you're saying so much because it's making me think about, am I attuned to what I really need? Mm-hmm. And am I looking for God to be the provider mm-hmm. of that? Uh, versus if, if, my, if I'm confused about my needs, my needs, my stated needs aren't mm-hmm. actually of the fruit of the Spirit, then I can sit with that too, mm-hmm. yeah. One of the things I remember... Um, again, backyard in Thailand was what will I tell people, Lord? What will I tell them? What will I... and I remember the phrase of God saved me mm-hmm. from myself, mm-hmm. and that has changed me forever yeah. because I thought, that's not the story I would like. I wanted God to save Thailand through you, through me, yeah. Because I was there, yeah, and it means a lot to me, yeah. And yet, I believe it with all my heart. Is he saved me from my own understanding? Yeah, he was present in ways that are so much more real mm. than he's ever been. And like I said, it's new ways of being alive. Mm. Um, That's beautiful. And if. I think one thing that I've d- learned from watching you and, and Randy Harris and others do some spiritual direction is it's not always clear to people how 
to reach out for that, how to engage mm-hmm. in that. And so if people are sensing, hey, spiritual direction might be something, the exact mm-hmm. thing I need, mm-hmm. how would you coach them to find uh, someone, reach out? What's mm-hmm. what's the first step? Yes. Well, here, there are many ways. I'm here in Abilene, but I would say if you know me well, it's usually best to have somebody you don't know yeah. <laughs> um, so you don't have a dual relationship. Um and but there's something called Spiritual Directors International okay. SDI that you can Google and look at, and they will. There's a long list of people. Um, there's also a place called Retreat House in Dallas uh, that has spiritual directors that you can connect with online and through Zoom. Who I, a lot of them are from SMU, and mm-hmm. um, I love them. Um, so SDI and Retreat House. Retreat House. Retreat they can House. Google this. Yes, in Richardson, I think it is. And then uh, there's one, I'm Risa Higgins. It's called, I want to say, Heart Paths. Okay. Um, That she is a spiritual director and has a great program there as well. So there's lots of of ways. Find me, email me, text me, because it's... (laughs) One of my favorite things ever right now. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it would be a really helpful thing for a lot of people. And it was really a big part of your story. Yes. So. Amen. Amen. And this has been an excellent therapy session for me. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Now what a what a beautiful story and thank you for for being vulnerable with us and sharing your life and uh and thank you for just your earnestness to do what God asked yeah. you to do. It's really beautiful. And we're glad you're here in Abilene. Yeah. I have a wrap up. Thank I have you a wrap for up listening to, Take it to away, all David. my ramblings. No, you didn't ramble. It was a really beautiful story. And that's that's a good segue for my wrap up. Matt and I have loved how people have come up to us and said they're enjoying the podcast because yeah. I think our goal for the podcast has really been to like invite people and get out mm-hmm. of the way and let mm-hmm. um, people speak because our assumption for the, for the Highland podcast has been we love getting to know people at Highland. We're aware that other people at Highland don't get to hear the awesome stories yeah. of all the people at Highland. And so, Anne, thanks so much for coming and vulnerably sharing your story. It's a story I've gotten to hear some of I got to hear all mm-hmm. a, a big a bigger part of it today, but all this to say, several of you have come up to us and said we love what you're doing the podcast, and my response is, hey, we should have you on sometime, and then they're like, well, no, <laughs> and so be like yeah. Anne and say yes, yes. because yeah. you don't have to have yeah. Anne's story; you have your story, That's and God right. works through your story. And my favorite thing that we've been doing so far is hearing and sharing the way that God is moving in actual lives and stories of people yes. that go to Highland. And it's just been such a blessing for me. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all for inviting me. All right. It's not scary. All of you should do it. Here you go. We're really easy. Especially when you, uh, through like the first half, have a lump in your throat. And then every time you talk from that <laughs> on, it's like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> Welcome, feelings. You're safe. You're yeah. safe, feelings. <laughs> no, man.